Well, do me a favor, welcome Tabby Powell to the stage. Come on, everybody. Hey, y'all. Hey, hey. And uh, Tabby runs um, uh, legitimately all of our church. And so if there's basically, here's what this means. If there's something you don't like here, she's the woman to talk to because she's amazing. So don't come talk to me about it. I tell people all the time, they come and tell me like, hey, pastor, I want to do this. or We're going to change this. Or why do y'all do this? And I say stuff and I actually make it harder for our staff because they're like, that's not why we do it at all. And so uh, if they, you know, we should probably not talk to me and talk to you about stuff. So, um, but she's amazing and she's running the, uh, the hot seat for us today. So uh, take it away, Tabby, take it away. All right. For those who have been here, you guys know what we're to expect, but for those who haven't. So Pastor Aaron is going to answer as many questions as he can in 10 minutes. 10 minutes. Yes. As many questions as he can in 10 minutes minutes inside of our hot seat. And then as we end that, there's going to be one big question that he'll answer at the end. I'll, I'll, I'll leave. He's going to answer that. And, uh, and it's going to be great. Yes. Yeah. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's just get right into it. All right, y'all. Are you ready for the hot seat? That's my favorite part. You guys want to do it collectively? I did it one time by myself. That's true. He did. Two weeks ago. And we can make the popping good. sound on three. One, two, three. There you go. They're made of. It's interactive church. It's great. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. We have a great church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they humor you in these things. Oh, I should give the you ground You should probably rules. give the ground rules. Okay. Here are the ground rules real quick. <laughs> So how I answer questions here, um, number one, where the Bible is clear, I'll be clear. So if the Bible is pretty clear and black and white about it, I'm just going to tell you what the Bible says. I'm a Bible teacher. I don't give you my opinion. But when I do, where the Bible is not clear, I'll give you my opinion. Um, I'll give you my interpretation. I believe with all of my heart that the Bible is inerrant, which means it's without error, which means it was written through the Holy Spirit and, um, and his influence in the hands through man to write these scriptures. They are holy. They are amazing. They are without error. However, the interpretation of scriptures do come with error. And so some people's ideas or uh, thoughts or, um, you know, whatever they feel like the Bible might be saying, man, that could be coming through a lot of different lenses. And everybody in here has an influence or everybody in here has a background. And so sometimes when we read this, sometimes, how many of y'all know, like, so you can read the Bible, you can read the same verse, but then everybody can have something different from it. And so that's an interpretation. So um, my, I'll give you my interpretation of it. Mine's not perfect. It's not like the only interpretation. I'll just give you my opinion. And guess what? Here's what's really cool about our church. You don't have to agree with my opinion on something that is gray in, in the gray area. Um, we, we have some pretty, uh, pretty close-handed issues. We, you have to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. You have to believe that we cannot earn our salvation. Those are some things that I, that's how you know you're on our team. And what's funny is even if you don't believe that, you can still come to our church. You just won't be, you're not going to be a leader, and you're not really believing and leading and serving the same God that we are. And my hope would be that you would as long as you're around me. And so um, that's our hope is to serve the God of the Bible. We teach the God of the Bible, and I teach the Bible. Um, third. Um, my answers, um, I hopefully, please don't use my answers for, like, division. Please don't take my video or, like, my answer at home and use it as, like, your ammunition to shoot your, you know, your friends with, like, their stupid ideas. And you're like, oh, my gosh, my pastor told me this. This is why you're dumb. Like, and then I get bad hate mail. And so, um, you know, try to avoid the pastor, you know, getting hate mail. Right. And then number four, um, some, uh, just please know this. This is really, really important. Some questions are better answered in conversation. You're going to have to take my word for that. Um, I've done this a lot. I've been in ministry for a long period of time. Because this is a monologue, you don't have the ability to rebuttal or come back or let me know your story or walk me, help me walk you through nuance of every situation that might be in life. And, and some of the problems in our society right now is that we don't have conversation, that yeah. most of social media is, let me give you my opinion, blast it out. And you're like, well, no, you can have conversation in the comments. No, you can't because everybody's brave behind a keyboard. Look in my eyes. 
and tell me that to my face. Yeah. They won't. So yeah. it, it's not designed to be a conversation. So I'm going to give you something, but there's some questions because of that are better designed to answer in conversation. Right. And so I want to be able to be sensitive to that. So if I don't answer your question or it's not because I'm dodging it or I'm not trying to teach truth, it's not that. It's, it's because my goal is not to be right. My goal is to be righteous in this conversation. That's, that's the goal in this series. And so with those um, ground rules, let's take it away. Yeah, I'm you ready. ready? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. All right, well, we're going to give you a little buffer. So I'm going to ask the question, okay. and then I'll have them put 10 minutes on the clock. How Sweet. about that? Okay? Need all the time I can get. <laughs> You're welcome. Yes. All right. Can music and movies really be a negative influence? Should I watch rated R movies or maybe listen to Taylor Swift and Bad Bunny? <laughs> 10 minutes on the clock. Who's Bad Bunny? Bad is Bunny. That? I, is, that a, is that a person? I, I is that so. a band? Is, is it a band a or an artist? Is it a singer? I feel like I'm dating myself a little bit. Yeah. Does anybody know who How Bad, old are you we know right who Bad Bunny is? Raise your hand. Three people. Oh, like, okay, great. Okay, okay, more than three people. All right. Um, I'm assuming that's a. Is that a band? What? I don't know. Is that an artist? Is it an artist? Like artist? A hip, like a hip hop artist? We had a concert here. I missed it. I should have went. Um, How would you have known to go if you didn't know, know who I, he is? I don't know. I like music. Um, so, okay, a couple of things about this. We get this, we get this question a lot um, about, like, hey, should I watch this Netflix show? Um, how, how many of y'all, like, watched something recently on TV? Or you don't even have TV anymore. Like, on screens, you know, on your tablet. And, like, when you watched it and you, you, it was, like, something new. And you're like, oh, I want to check this out. This looks good. You watched it. And, like, ten minutes into it, you had that, like, feeling in your gut, like, mm. Like, I don't know if I should be watching. Anybody do that other than me? Like, you're like, oh. Um, you know what the funniest thing is to do? Watch a movie that you think is great and then watch it with your kids. And then you're, you'll start to see all of the stuff that you're like, man, I don't see it anymore. You know, like you've been desensitized to some of the things that are yeah. being shown to us yeah. a lot. And so um, let me just give you a quick answer real quick, and then I'll kind of explain my thought. Well, the Bible doesn't directly address the idea of whether or not you should listen to what they call secular music or, you know, or mainstream music or watch rated R movies. The MPAA rating system did not exist during the Bible's writing. So, like, it, the idea of somebody going, like, you shouldn't watch rated R movies. That's what the Bible says. No, it doesn't. But, but like, there are some principles, I think, that, that you could potentially use. So let me just say this. Like, people who are opponents to people watching rated R movies or listening to secular music um, would use stuff like Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. And I wrote some scriptures. They would use that. They're going to throw this at you. They're going to say, make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Everybody say holy. holy. And, and, and without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So he's saying, like, man, you have to be conscious of your influence and what God wants for your life and that what goes in tends to be what comes out. So, like, I, I think they have a point. Like, if I'm honest, they have a point. Like, people who are, and religious people use that, but, but the truth is I think God does care about your holiness. If you read the Bible in the entirety of Scripture, it's not, grace wasn't given to us so that we can do whatever we want. Grace was given to us so that we recognize the goodness of God so that we can drive ourselves to holiness. Right. Like, that's the goal yeah. of grace. Like, we don't, I mean, Paul even addresses that. Um, proponents of that, so like, and be like, no, we should. We, like, we can watch whatever we want because we're Christian and God knows our heart. I mean, they use that scripture in 1 Samuel. It says, the Lord sees not as man sees, the man looks on the outward appearance, but God sees my heart. He knows that if I watch that crazy show on Netflix, it's not going to really bother me at all. Like, God knows my heart. I'm still going to heaven. And that might be true. I'm just, it might be. Because your holiness on this earth and your goodness on this earth didn't determine whether or not you got to heaven. Yeah. That's true. But what comes in comes out. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So I think it matters 
it might just not matter in the religious sense. I think it matters, though, from what, what you allow in your heart. I think Proverbs says it, chapter 4, says, above all else, guard your heart. Like, you should guard your heart because everything you do flows from it. Like, what I ingest becomes what I digest and eventually becomes out of me. And so what I find interesting is that um, I think Christian people do this a lot. We do this with a lot of things. Like, you can't expose yourself to terrible things and then pray them away. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Like, I think you minimize God's power in your life to a lifeguard. It's like, it's like if, if, if you're at the beach and the lifeguards are saying, don't go swimming out there because it's dangerous and there's, there's riptides that will drag you out and you could die. And you say, it's the equivalent of you saying, yeah, but I'm a Christian and go swimming. And then when you get caught in the riptide, you look back at the lifeguards, save me. Right. And they were like, well, we told you that if you did that, there was a potential for danger and harm. And so some of us, the problem is, is some of us are really good swimmers. Yeah. And you can, you can wade out into the water pretty good. And you can make it. And you can dip your toe into the rated R world and the the the. the Drake world and then like the, you know, the, you you, 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 all the world of the, you you could do it and you seem like it don't bother you, but, um, have y'all ever been to a a camp? You ever been camping? I just, you ever been around a campfire? Yeah. And if you ever been around a campfire, it's really hard to not smell like a campfire if you've been around a campfire. And I've just noticed that like people who live in the world of those areas of entertainment, you start to smell like it. Yeah. That's good. And so, like, are you going to hell? I don't, I, don't, I probably couldn't make that case, but yeah. is it a sin? Maybe, maybe not. But, you know, Passion of the Christ is rated R. Put that in your religious pipe. So, like, I don't know. <laughs> like, you know. What about music that doesn't cuss but says negative things? Yeah. yeah. I'm messing with you guys now. So, I, I don't know. Um, just because you can, don't, I don't think you should. So that's my answer. So I don't know if that's okay. That's good. That's good. I know some parents are like, say, yes, it's a sin. I'm sorry. I can't do that. So go ahead. <laughs> All right. Next question. Is heaven really in the sky and is hell really in the ground? Are they real? I think that's really what they're asking. Are heaven and hell real? Yeah. Um, well, the answer to that is... Well, let's, let's, let's separate that because there's two questions. Are they real? Yes. Um, and there's un, un, some unhelpful theologies right now and teachings about hell and heaven um, that teach from a kind of a Jewish concept and a Jewish background. And I think that's, that it can be helpful, but it's not helpful for those who need to realize that um, heaven is real. Hell is real. It's hot and eternity is a long time. And we take it seriously at Rise. And so um, we, we prescribe to a... A thousands of year of Christian orthodoxy where we believe in it. Right. We believe in its uh, that it are literal places, and um, but it's 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 complicated because I would say that like a lot of our beliefs on heaven and hell a lot are colored by our religious background or non-religious background, and you might yeah. not even know why you believe the way that you believe, but you believe it because that's how you were grown up in, yeah. um, and and so there's movies written about hell, there's movies and books written about heaven, and what I always tell people is. Um, and they'll come back with these certain theologies on stuff, like with, with these types of, you know, 
you hear stories about people who are like, well, I went to heaven and I saw God and I came back and let me tell you what it is. And they write a bestseller. And the reason it's a bestseller is because everybody wants to know what heaven and hell are like. Right. And they always ask me like, well, do you think that's real? And I said, maybe. Maybe. I, I don't know. You know, last time I checked, no one went to heaven with an iPhone and came back with a video of it. I, I don't. You know, even our scriptures in the Bible about heaven and hell sometimes are taken out of context. And, and what they describe and how they, 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 they speak about things reminds me of a story um, with, with, the, with the one pastor. And um, I'm going to read it for you because it's kind of a funny church. Y'all want to hear a church joke? It's a church joke. One preacher was talking to his church and he just said to everybody there, how many of you guys want to go to heaven today? I feel like I've said this before. Like, how many of y'all want to go to heaven today? And most people raise their hands except for one guy. And he thought, that's strange. He said, well, those of you who want to go to heaven today, would you just stand up right where you are? And everybody stood up except for this one guy in the church. And the preacher was so bothered by this after he walked up to the guy and he said, sir, what's, man, what's wrong with you? Everybody in the church wanted to go to heaven. and You, you never stood up when I asked if, when you want to go to heaven when you die. And the guy goes, well, absolutely, I want to go there when I die. But I thought you were asking if they wanted the group to go right now. And he goes, no, I don't. Um, I'll just say this. Here's a funny, here's just some thoughts about heaven. Number one, um, heaven and hell. They, they, the Bible speaks of it in two ways. One, they speak of it in two, in, as a physical place, number one. Yeah. Um, the Bible speaks to it. Heaven is a place for God and his followers. Revelation chapter 21, there'll be a new heaven and a new earth, a new Jerusalem in the end. Um, I, the Bible teaches that this is new for a lot of people. We don't, we don't ascend into clouds and look like babies playing harps in heaven. Right. I know that's what like you thought... <laughs> That's what we do. Um, heaven is based on scripture is a renewed earth and a renewed Jerusalem. So we're going to be here. It's just not going to look anything like here, which means there's not going to be any sin and death and evil and hatred and anger and fear. And there's, there's none of that stuff's going to be here. It's going to, God's going to, God's going to create this incredible place where, where I believe we, we, um, we get to be with him. And I, honestly, I think scripture teaches there's going to be work to do in heaven. Um, and some of y'all are like, that is, that's hell. That sounds like hell to me. No, no, work. But remember, work was given to us before the fall of man. Right. So work is a divine idea. So you're like, if you go to work tomorrow thinking like this is because of Adam and Eve, just so you know, God graded this and work is good for you. So that should help you tomorrow morning. Uh, but work is good for you. And, um, but it's a place and, it, and our, really our response to that, the fact that it's a place is that we need to have some excitement and some hustle that we need to help encourage as many people as we can, help, help get them in connection with God the Father so that, that, that we can enjoy life with them. Um, yeah. They also teach of hell as a, as a, as a place um, that is for Satan and his followers. Uh, a few of them, Matthew chapter 25, they will go away into eternal punishment. Luke and Matthew talk about places of outer darkness and weeping and gnashing of teeth. There are places in Revelation you can go. I highly, if you're new to the scripture, scriptures or Christianity, I would encourage you to do it at all, but um, uh, without at least help. Um, but I, I think that, the summary would be is that, that you, you and I should have heartbreak because of that yeah. and hustle. So heaven should give us excitement and hustle and heartbreak and hustle for hell because we should do everything we can to help those who don't know Jesus yeah. know Jesus That's good. because it's a real place. The second thing the uh, Bible teaches about is the state, it's a state of living. Um, we always minimize heaven in terms of a destination, but really right. Jesus, most of his teaching was actually talking about the way of having heaven right now. Um, if you minimize God's um, 
sacrifice and to him dying on the cross just so you can get to heaven, you only know half of his story. He wanted you to have heaven right now. And you can have heaven right now. In fact, when he talked about the kingdom of heaven or, 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 or uh, when he talked about the idea of living a kingdom life, he was talking about it right now, that you can have moments of heaven right now, which means you can live godly and actually receive some of the giftings and good things that God wants you to have right now. You don't have to wait till heaven to right. get there. So I think some of us live through hell here with the hope that maybe we'll get to heaven one day when Jesus says, I'm better than that, actually. I could give you a piece of it right now. So the Bible actually teaches about it um, and, and, and walks through it. And so I would just say, if you want further study, you can see Revelation, Daniel, Matthew, Ezekiel. Be careful. Um, I think there's just a great statement. I don't remember who said it, but I think it was Oliver Holmes who said this. He said, some people are so heavenly minded, they are of no earthly good. Um, some of us are too focused on eternity and you're not, and you miss the right now. And so just be careful that you're not like that. So that would be my encouragement. That's so good. I, I don't know if that answers the question. Yeah, I think it did. Yeah. All right. Well, we're, we're out of time, but I think we're going to give like maybe just one more. All right. You want to just like a bonus question? Yeah. Okay. Here you go. Is it a sin? Oh, wait, hold on. Can I pause real quick? Oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, I did get a question about spouses in heaven. Can I kind of speak to the spouses of heaven question? Oh, yeah. Because um, somebody asked me about that, like whether or not uh, we're going to be married in heaven. Um, remember, you, you answer that question through your lens of circumstance. So if you really like your spouse right now, all of y'all are on the theology of like, absolutely, pastor, we're going to be in heaven. It's going to be great. Mm -hmm. She's going to be mine. He's going to be mine. It's going to be amazing. If you're fighting right now, you're like, I hope not. God, I hope not. God, I mean, we fight all the time. How can that be heaven? That sounds like hell to me. That doesn't equate. That's my theology. Isn't that true? Like, we kind of think like that. So um, let me just give you what Jesus said. Jesus addressed this in a particular context, and I think this is something that can help to inform our theology. Um, Jesus in Matthew chapter 22 said, at the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. Um, he was answering a question that had to do with their particular culture, because at that time, you know, like, if, if a brother's wife died, you know, the responsibility of the brother was to take the spouse into his family. So, like, she could become a, a, a spouse, and so it was like, and then, like, what they were doing is they were trying to catch Jesus. Jesus in some of these ideas of like, hey, what if I have multiple spouses? Like, what if I get married, she dies, then I marry again, and we're in heaven? Then who am I supposed to be married to in heaven? And so Jesus was, they were trying to catch him. And so what I'm trying to say is there's a lot of context, because some of you in here like have, you're on your second, third, fourth, fifth, or eighth marriage, and we need to counsel with you, and, and you, you, that question is complicated for you, right? Like, who are you going to, and you're like, well, just the last one. Well, how do you know, like, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, that, that's, not, that's not a great way to think about it. So I would just say, based on what I, I think the scriptures teach and Jesus talked about, I don't think we'll be married. But if you think we will be married, then that's fine. I think it's, a, again, we don't know. And so I, I think Jesus teaches that we won't. Um, I think multiple years of Christian orthodoxy teaches that we won't. And then I think um, I will probably ask the Lord for my wife to be my neighbor. You know, I like her. <laughs> because I think she's great. So that's just my my question on that. But if you don't agree with me, that's okay. That was sweet. Yeah. Okay. All right. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, it's okay. That's good. Yeah. Um, okay. So bonus question before I cut you loose. Yes. Is it a sin for Christians to curse? <laughs> I had a funny way in my head I wanted to answer that. But I don't think I can get away with it at church. Email Jason at Rice Church. <laughs> Maybe the 1115 crowd can handle it. 930 is too holy. Um, 
Um, well, define cursing. Like a four-letter word. Oh, okay. But like, like, but that's exactly my point. I'll give you a story. It's a funny story. Okay. Um, I was at a church when I first got into ministry, and we were, um, I, I, be, I was a youth pastor for a few years, and we had, it was a mega church, and we had hired this amazing worship leader, and she was from South Africa, and she, she came in, and this woman, when she sang, it was like the heavens opened up. It was it was the most amazing, to this day, the most amazing worship experience every time she's, have you ever just, it's just, when you, when you hear someone sing, you're just like, she was made to worship the Lord. And she would sing and sing, and I'm like, oh my God, this woman is the most anointed person. And I'm like, this is amazing. So then one time, she comes backstage, and we're talking, and we're, we're just something like that, and she starts dropping cuss words backstage, just like, beep, and that was beep, and I was like, I was like, ha, 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 you know, your, your breath gets taken away, you know, you're like, does, you know, your brain goes, does not compute, does not compute, right, that's what your religious brain says, and, and I was like, oh my gosh, and I started freaking out, and I was like, oh, and I was like, and I wound up, like, it was so, and I never do this, and I, you guys are like, yes, you do, I was not at this time, I was very timid, and I was like, I walked up, and I said, and I asked her, I was like, like, do you, do you know what you're saying? And she goes, what are you talking about? And I said, well, some of the words that you're using, like, oh my gosh, like they're, they're God's words. And she goes, oh my gosh, which ones? And she was genuinely moved by it. She goes, oh my, I don't, what did I say? And I said, well, you know, I was like, and I started like, the word, and the word, you know, and I started like mouthing it off, and she goes, oh, she goes, in my country, that, those aren't cuss words. She was like, in my culture, like, that's not a thing. She goes, I didn't know that. Thank you for telling me, because I didn't know. And I was like, oh, oh, and then I started meeting people from England, and England has their own world oh, yeah, view. <laughs> and then you're, and so... Define cuss word. You see what I'm saying? So like, you could get real religious on me in here and be like, well, no, I know what a cuss word is. So do you, pastor. Say it. Speak the truth and shame the devil. I'm just saying, like, there's no Bible verse that says, thou shalt not use beep, 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 but kind of beep and a little bit of beep. And what about the words that we make up as Christians that are supposed to be the bad words, but are really meant to be the bad words, but we say them because, like, if I say, gosh darn, is that the same thing as, hello? Y'all hear what I'm saying? So where's the line? Your religious line is different than my religious line. I'll just give you my religious line. Ephesians 4.29 is a good one. It says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. What about people who don't cuss at all, but are the most foul-mouthed people? Y'all yes. yep. y'all, y'all, hear what I'm saying? So you're talking about cussing. I, Jesus did this all the time. He would be like, oh, y'all fussing about the law? Let's get to your heart. Yep. He made things harder. Yep. He would say stuff like, oh, you mad about like, not cheating on your woman with another lady? How about don't look at a woman lustfully because that's cheating? 
You might not have done it with your hands, but you did it with your heart, and you just got got, homie. Like, he was... He would elevate the standard, hello, because he knew if you followed the rules but still hated God in your heart, you missed the point. So I think that like like Paul's admonishment, I think Jesus' teaching, and I think all of us should be careful with what comes out of our mouth, primarily because he wants us to be able to build each other up. So um, a lot of the Bible verses about cussing and talking is, is really about building people up or tearing people down. Um, I think you just a couple thoughts I would just say. Number one, influence is gained and lost with, with language. So if you walk around and you cuss a bunch, I mean, just know people notice. Yeah. And people might laugh at you, but they could be laughing at you. Yeah. And you could be losing influence. Um, I know teenagers and people who've lost jobs because they cussed in front of customers and stuff like that. So, like, it matters, you know. They said a word that was offensive in our culture in front of people. That's why people would say, oh, it's not that big of a deal. Yes, it is. Because if your child is around, you probably don't want them cussing around your child. Why don't you want them to cuss around your child? Because it matters. Yeah, that's right. And if I'll just double down a little bit. If I was on the platform and I walked up here and dropped the F-bomb, some of y'all would probably be pretty offended. Some of y'all would probably clap. But, like, that's just because (laughs) we have a complicated church. So it's what it is. We're all just barely making it into heaven. So it's all good. Um... Number two, who's watching you? Be careful who you're around. I think you should model holiness for your kids. I think you yeah. should model holiness for others yeah. you're leading. I think you should model what God, I think, would say. Be careful with unwholesome talk coming out of your mouth. And I think the last one would say, our words reveal what's inside. From out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So just be careful that what we do. I think a good question I always ask is, does it build or does it break? Yeah. Does it build or does it break? What it was what coming out of your mouth, building or breaking? Could you necessarily say, if I'm sitting in a car with no one around and no one heard me, can I drop a, a big cuss word because I'm mad? and not be offensive, and not be sinful. Maybe. I don't know. I just want to know why you want to look like the world so much. Mm. Why are you so concerned with trying to figure out where the line, why are you trying to get so close to the line? I mean, Grace told us to get away from the line. So I just think that, like, look, if you, I, I don't think if you cuss on the way to work or something because the traffic is terrible, you need to do a Hail Mary or nothing. But I just think that, like, is you, you should probably be concerned about what's coming out if, if that's what's coming out. So yeah. I just would say that. So is that, is that okay? That's yeah, awesome. I think that's, that's good. Answer, so. I, I think yeah. you answered that without offending too many. So yes. That's good. that's good. Jason at Rise Church Jason TX. at Rise Church TX. <laughs> Thanks for not giving my email out. Yeah. All right. Okay. Um, I'm going to leave you with this question. Yes. How do I love people who keep hurting me? Where do I draw the line? All right. We'll give it up for Tabby one last time. Come on, y'all. I I had to take time on this question because I think that um, this is, if, if, I'm, if, you want, if you cut me open and you talk to me as a pastor, you talk, ask me a question. If you ask me the question, what's the one thing that I would like to rewrite in Christianity the most would be this, would be the idea that you as a Christian should be a doormat for everybody's hurt and pain. That in the name of love, we should subject ourselves to abuse acceptance. Like we should subject ourselves to this idea that no matter what, you're Jesus followers, so you should just turn the other cheek. 
And you take Bible verses out of context, and in the end, it hurts you and hurts the Lord because the Lord doesn't want you to hurt. And so there's a very real tension in our world as a Christian that you should love. It's clear in Scripture. You should love people. It's so clear. There's no debate. Like, it is about as clear as it can be in Scripture. Jesus was about love. You, if you are a follower of Jesus, you should be about love. You should love. You should love. Like, you should love with all of your heart. But, but the tension is, how do you love people who are unhealthy, who are unkind, who are divisive, who are unlovable, who are offensive, and who are dangerous? How do you love them? I mean, that's a tension, right? Because you and I were called by our Heavenly Father to love everybody. And then fortunately, that means them. The one that hurt you, the one that betrayed you, the one that stabbed you in the back. Like, I, you don't have to close your eyes and think about the person. You already have them on your mind because you know who they are. And yeah, God and Jesus called you to love them. In John chapter 13, I'll read it for you if you need a Bible verse for reference. He says, a new command I give you, to love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Now, this was an elevation of a command that was the golden rule. Treat others as you would want to be treated. So he would say, and that came, by the way, that came from the Bible. And so he said, God gave us a command. He said, you should love each other as you want to be loved. That was a good command. And Jesus comes along and elevates the standard and says, now you shouldn't do that because that could be flawed in its core because maybe you don't love yourself very much and that kind of gives you a way out. Actually, what I want you to do is I want you to love each other the way I have loved you. And since I'm God, that's pretty big. And it's pretty impassioned and it's pretty elevated and it's actually in a way that you can't really wiggle out of. And the problem is, is that we love them the way we think we love, we should love them. And then, and then we get hurt. And then what happens is, is you and I go back to God and blame him because you say stuff like, God, well, you told me to love them. And then I love them and then they hurt me. And that means you must be a terrible person, God. You, you, you must not be looking out for me. And God's saying, wait, 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 you, you misunderstood love. Now, what's funny about the English language is that love, we have one word for love. We have one Word, one word for love, and it's love. But like in the Hebrew language, there were multiple words for love, multiple words for love. It was different in, in a lot of contexts. I mean, they, when, when Jesus would say love in one part of the scriptures, it typically meant something love was different in a different part of scripture. And unless you know the scriptures, you, you, you misunderstand. And in many times we misunderstand love for us, love for us, meant relationship and access. If I love you, then we're going to be in relationship and you're going to have access to me and my phone number and you're going to come over for dinner and we're going to hang out. And that means we love each other. And Jesus, especially in that verse and in that context, did not mean that. Love for him did not mean relationship and did not mean access. Love and relationship were not the main thing. Unconditional love did not mean unconditional access, especially in the context of that verse. And you and I need to know that incredibly clear and crystal because there are some people in your life, I would bear to say right now, that you are trying to love on behalf of God and continually hurt you. And so 
We have to understand what Jesus has meant for love. And here's, here's what it was. I'll give you this for your notes if you're taking them and you should. The word love there was agapeo. It wasn't agape. It was agapeo, love. And it meant to prefer or wish them well as Christ did. Now that's very different than what the love you and I think. When we say love, you think, come over for dinner and hang out and be a part of my life and my kids' lives. And regardless of what you say about me or whatever you do about me or whatever, I gotta love you because I'm a Christian. And Jesus was just saying, hold on. I'm just telling you, you need to prefer them or wish them well as Christ did. And if you're called to love people wisely, which you are in scripture, then we have to understand that healthy relationships aren't a problem to solve. They're attention to manage. And you and I have to get to the understanding that some people in your life, you're going to have to love from a distance. It's just the way that it is. It's just, and so I'm going to teach you a word today, and it's going to be good, is you're going to like this word. And by the way, nobody's going to amen me in this, because right now what you're thinking about is all the people in your life that hurt you, and you're like, can I get them out of my life? And some of you are like, this is a good parachute, and some of you are like, I don't know if I believe in this, but I'm, going to, I'm teaching the Bible, and I'm trying to rewrite a lot of years of your, honestly, misteachings of Christianity and Scripture, because Christianity has bad culture, too. I'm talking about the Bible. I'm going to teach you the Bible. Well, good word I'm going to teach you today. Helpful way to love people wisely is a word called boundaries. Boundaries. And some of y'all are like, what's that? And I've noticed that people who don't like boundaries in their life or don't like to put boundaries up in their life, they don't like other people's boundaries is because they don't have boundaries themselves. So if you're offended about the word boundary, it's typically because you don't have boundaries in your life and you don't understand the value of them or the godliness of them. As a Christian, just know this, you should have boundaries. My wife and I, we moved to San Antonio in 2017 and uh, loved it, loved the city. This is an amazing city. I'm gonna die here. This is my favorite city in all the world. I love the city, I love you, I love the food, I love the people, I love Fiesta that shuts down two weeks, people just go party, it's amazing. <laughs> I'm like, I felt like what we did was we said, you got Mardi Gras? We will up you one week. How about that? We were two weeks and we're going to party in the streets. I love that. Like, it's my Mexican people because I'm Mexican. I'm like, this is good. So I love this city. It's amazing. But when we moved here, my favorite thing about this city was that the houses, when I bought a house, the houses had fences around them. Now, I know you don't think that's a big deal, but if you've been to any other part of the country, has anybody ever been, y'all, all y'all military, have you ever been to any parts of the country where you were in a subdivision and there were no fences? Raise your hand if you've been around that. Okay, you know what I'm talking Midwest, that kind of area is kind of the thing. Just so you know, there's a world out there, y'all, that's crazy, that when you move in, the houses don't have fences. So all the yards blend together. Nobody knows what's anybody's. I remember when I first moved from California that has fences to like Missouri that had no fences. And I was like, what are we going to do with our barbecue grill? Because if I left my barbecue grill in the backyard in my house in California, it would be gone the next day. People would assume you're giving it away. And so I walk out, I'm like, where's the fence? There's no fence. And they're like, well, you can put a little fence up. It's like a little half fence that you can see through and walk through. I'm like, that ain't a fence. That's a dog gate, right? I need a full-on high 10-foot cinder block wall fence. I want something. I want a fence. So we moved to San Antonio and I'm like, this is amazing. And, and, and I started to realize why I really wanted a fence. Because when you get a neighbor that you don't like, does anybody, 
willing to share their feelings about a neighbor that they don't like right now. Anybody have a neighbor you don't like right now? You can think about them right now. They be playing mariachi music in the backyard at one o'clock in the morning on Saturday night when you got to wake up for church in the morning and preach the word of God. Does anybody else have a crazy neighbor? Okay. And they were real mariachi band, okay? It wasn't, a, it wasn't an iPod. They up out there like, I'm like, shut up. Okay. So the hoarder guy, right? The crazy cat lady, the people who party all night, the guy who calls on you for every HOA violation, you want offense. And so I remember we get here and there's a fence around my yard. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. This is God's country, Texas. We live here. But I noticed something about my fence is it has a gate. And the gate allows access into my property. And, and if the gate is closed, you can't get in. And if the gate is open, you can get in. And some of us live our lives like other parts of the country with no fence. In the name of God, I have no fence. Anybody can come into my life at any time and have full access to whatever you want. And then random strangers, people you know, will come in and they will hurt you and they will walk away and you will be hurt and you will be confused and you'll look to God. God, why would you let this happen? And you'll leave your property wide open again for the next person to come back in and hurt you again and then do it again and again. And you have become a victim of your own circumstance because you choose not to put a fence, a boundary up around your life. I did not say a barrier because some people jump into the other camp. Where you, right now, you got hurt and you didn't just put up a fence. You put up a cinder block wall with wire mesh, electrocuted fence, barbed wire and guard dogs with a sniper on the roof for anybody that gets close. And when we get around you, you're the people that hurt other people before they even get close. And you know those people. You know them. They don't let nobody in. Nobody. No access. You ain't coming in. Take that to the next house. And that's ungodly too. You need a fence. You need a boundary where you can make a decision on whether or not you let someone in or you keep someone out. It's the most godly thing you can do with your relationships. Let me tell you what a boundary is. Boundaries are predetermined conditions that help us determine what is and what isn't. What can be allowed and what can be? What comes in and what can't? Let's break that down. Predetermined, which means you establish them before the moment. You establish with your family or your life who is going to come in and who's going to come out. There's some conditions that are going to come with you being in relationship with me. Love is unconditional. Relationship is conditional. If I can give you a quick tweet that you can rock out right now, go put that on Facebook, put that up on Instagram, write that down, make it a tattoo. 
unconditional love, love can be unconditional, but relationships are always conditional in the Christian faith. Always conditional. You should never let just anybody in your life. If they're attacking your family, please stop letting them in your life. God doesn't want that for you. God's not asking you to do that. You're manipulating scriptures to allow yourself to be hurt. And some people do that because they love the victim life. But that's not what God called you to do. They're predetermined, which means they're established before the moment, which means this, emotion and circumstance can't come into the moment. You've already established it. Let me give you an example. Somebody walks up to your wife, says, man, I hate her. I hate her. And she posts about it. And they talk about her. And then they come into your life again with tears. And they'd be crying. <laughs> you don't know how hurt I am. I just <laughs> and then you let them back in your life. And then she keeps talking and keeps offending your wife. Y'all hear what I'm saying? And then they, <laughs> you don't know what happened to me. Circumstance. And then you let your guard down again. And then what happens? They hurt you. And they, no, 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 no. You've already had a preconditioned idea. You got to meet this requirement. Must be this tall to ride this ride. Sorry. I've taken my, I'll take your kids to a amusement park. You remember time when you were younger and they tried to get to that area where they needed to be 48 inches and they weren't 48 inches and then they, what'd they do? <laughs> People come up into your life and they don't meet the requirements for you to be in relationship with them and they come up and circumstance make them go, but see, I'm hurt and you, don't you love me? You don't even really love me. You don't really love me. You really loved me. You would do, you would let me back into your life. And you go, all right, come on. And then you get hurt and then they get hurt. And then you look at God. So what I'm saying is you got to establish some preconditions, like predetermined ideas. You don't come in my life unless you live like this, which by the way, should be proven over time. Cause you don't tell me you show me, you don't tell me that you show me that. Second thing, they're conditions. They're things that must be accomplished in order for you to actually be in my life. Number three, they got to be biblical. They got to be God-ordained and God-practiced. Because some of you in here still are like, I don't know if I like this. I don't know if I agree with this. I don't think this is right. Let me show you three ways in the Bible that it is. I'm just going to show you the Bible. I'm just going to read it to you. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Above all else, guard your heart. If I say guard, that is a condition. That is you saying, sorry. He didn't say above all else, let your everybody, everybody, everything in your heart, let it all in. Go ahead, above all else, do everything you want. Let everybody in, do whatever you want. No, guard, which means stand guard, which means you allow and not allow things into your heart. Number two, Psalm chapter one, verse one says, blessed, blessed, ever say blessed, blessed. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, which means you and I are actually okay not walking with wicked people. If they're wicked, you, it's okay to say, sorry, I don't do that. I love you, but I don't do that. I put a boundary around what I do and what I don't do. Number three, Titus 3.10, warn it. This is good. This is so good. You need to hear this for those of you who are like, why did you not let that person back in the church? You ready? You ready? 
warn a divisive person. How do you know they're a divisive person? When they tried to divide. Common sense is not as common as I thought it would be in the church. The church is welcome to everyone. Unless you're a divisive person, then I will gladly have a conversation with you and say, hey, you're trying to divide. We don't do that here. Bible precedent. Warn a divisive person once, then warn them a second time, then warn them a third time and, and, and let them back in and, and, and let them talk to a bunch of church people and, and hurt them too and, and let them be a part and don't worry about it because you know what? You love people because God loves people and we should love everybody. And No. no. This is about as clear as it gets. I'm a Bible teacher. This is above my opinion, above my emotion, above my friendships, above my, my political leanings, above my, my Fox News or CNN or whatever I think is right. No, it's the Bible. Bible, have nothing to do with them. Why? Because you don't love them? No, you love them enough to tell them their relationships and their behavior is inappropriate and they don't match your standard for your life. So the conclusion is that the Christian doormat is a theology that's pushed in the church all the time. And it's a demonic theology because it's how Satan uses God's word to manipulate you into pain. So you got to set some boundaries in your life. Healthy people set boundaries for their relationships. I'm going to give you one more Bible verse because this is important. This is really important. You need to know this is a culture of a healthy church. And this is a culture of a healthy family. This is a culture of a healthy relationship. You are called to set boundaries in your life. And some of us in here are convicted right now because you know there's some people in your life you should probably be having a different conversation with them rather than letting them and allow them to pollute your life. You know this. We have to be vision-driven, which means you have to set boundaries based on vision. I'm going to read you a story, Mark chapter 31. It'll blow your mind. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. This is Jesus. Because some of you in here think you're everyone's savior. You think if you don't stay with them while everybody else is walking away because of their unhealthy and toxic behavior, you think that because you're going to stay with them, you're going to be their savior. That's called a savior complex. And the last time I checked, that seat's taken. Jesus is their God. You should just be their friend. And sometimes that means loving them at a distance. Mark chapter one, verse 35 says, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. This is that one of the, Jesus was the man. He was making it happen. Later, Simon and the others went out to find him. And when they found him, they said, hey, Jesus, crowds here. Let's go. Get out there. A bunch of people need help. Get ready, Jesus. A bunch of people with need. Jesus says, nah, we got to go. We got to go. Got some other places to be. I got to preach to them. That's why I came. Jesus said, I love them, but no. I have a purpose. I love them, but no, I have a purpose. This is Jesus who could actually do what you and I pray that God would do. And some of us read that scripture and we're like, dang, Jesus, I thought you told us to love people. And Jesus said, yeah, I did. I love them. I love them from a distance because I got something I got to go do. 
I gotta be vision driven. And if you're emotions driven, you're gonna let everybody in your life. If you're circumstance driven, you're gonna let everybody in your life. And you just need to be vision driven. So you need to set some boundaries around your life. Be a people and be a family. Can I just tell you this? If you're a husband or a wife in here and you have children, please set this tone for your family. Please set this tone. Don't let everybody have access to your kids. That's not godly. Like if they're divisive, if they're mean, if they're ugly, if they have a hateful spirit, if they're talking bad about, which by the way, you know how you know somebody's talking about somebody? They're talking about, it's on social media more than likely. Don't let your kids around them. Don't don't be that person in the name of God that just lets everybody in your life. No, you gotta set boundaries. You wanna love somebody, right? I hope this answers that question. And how do you keep loving someone from a distance? Learn this question. I love you, but no. I love you, but no. I do, I love you. Well, it doesn't feel like you love me. You would spend time with me if you love me. That's not true, not based on the Bible. I just taught it to you. If we do that, I think God will honor us. You will naturally protect yourself. And I think God will come in and fill the spot that only he could fill for some of those people who are looking for you to be their savior when they really need to be looking to God. That's my prayer for you today. Let's pray. Father, we love you, Lord. I thank you that today, that God, you've given us some wisdom, God, on how to live our lives. And, and although this is wrapped with, with pain and hurt and, and uh, frustration, Lord, I know that you have a, a way of speaking to us, God, that can make a difference. And so, God, as, as we step out in, in who we called and who you called us to be, God, I pray that you would continue to give us grace and favor inside of relationships, favor with you and man. In Jesus' name.